This podcast contains adult themes and sexual references. Listener discretion is advised. The Menopause Space Podcast is brought to you by Reset 40, an evidence-based nutrition and wellness program for menopause and perimenopause. My name is Lisa Tarquini. I'm a UK registered nutritionist and a licensed menopause champion. I've been menopausal since I was 32, following my first session of chemotherapy for cervical cancer. As someone who reads medical journals for a living, I'm shocked at the lack of resources and research available for people experiencing perimenopause and menopause. This podcast provides evidence-based solutions for all women who want to live a strong, healthy, and confident midlife. It's a space for partners who want to learn more about this transition so they can better support their loved one. And it's an uplifting and empowering community so no one ever has to feel alone. You're listening to The Menopause Space. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another edition of The Menopause Space. I'm Lisa Tarquini in Hong Kong. Coming up on this episode sex and the menopause. We look at how to maintain meaningful connection and intimacy through the menopause and beyond. Stress is a number one inhibitor of our libido and our sex drive. So with perimenopause and menopause and work and kids, that's all stress. So these are the brakes to the accelerator to your libido, to your sex drive. If you don't know how to deal with the stressors, we can't really get the body to open. Here we are at episode three, and it's time for us to get vulnerable. While some aspects of the menopause are starting to be discussed, there is still a taboo around the changes that occur that impact our enjoyment of sex during the menopause. Stress, low libido, mood swings, and vaginal dryness can all inhibit our desire for intimacy with a partner. But it doesn't have to be this way. There are in fact many small and simple steps we can take to nurture the sexual connection with your partner throughout your life. So today, we've enlisted the help of an expert, mindful intimacy coach, Vivian Cam. Viv is an expert in helping women and couples deepen their connection through normalizing the practice of intimacy, female pleasure, and desire. Hi, Viv. So excited to have you on the podcast. (laughs) Thank you. This topic is, for me personally, such a huge topic because it's something that I have experienced personally. However, I know that I'm not the only one. So sex and intimacy with menopause is such a huge discussion point right now because a woman who is going through her 40s and juggling many, many hats, possibly sex and intimacy is the last thing she's thinking about. And I want to get your take on that. And also from my own perspective, I became menopausal at 32 and I was in a new relationship with my husband when I got cancer and then I became menopausal. And then after my treatment, we got married the year after. So we were newlyweds. I had zero libido. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, over the last 11 years, we've had to navigate all of that. Mm -hmm. And these are conversations that I haven't had the 
opportunity to have because none of my friends were going through this stage Mm -hmm. uh, when I was going through it back then. But I feel now that I'm 43, my friends are in their 40s, they're all experiencing this. And there's a community now that, you know, we can start talking about these things and opening up doors and solutions for people. So having this conversation today is for me, groundbreaking. Mm. So thank you very much for, you know, saying yes to having this conversation. But tell me, Viv, I know our listeners are so interested and know, like, how did you get into this type of work? It's so interesting. (laughs) Thank you. Well, first of all, that's a lot that you went through. And a lot of times we don't talk about it. And the fact that you're talking about it, and we're having this conversation, this is a really good start. So to answer your question, I got into this work initially through mainly corporate wellness, because I noticed that when I was doing corporate wellness, and I'm still doing corporate wellness in the workplace, so many people would talk about being mindful at the workplace, being efficient at work, and having better relationships at work, but nobody talked about having mindful intimacy or practicing mindfulness in the bedroom. And the stress that we have at home, we bring into work and the stress at work we bring into home and vice versa. And so because nobody was talking about it, and especially we're in Hong Kong, it's quite taboo to talk about. It's quite taboo to talk about anywhere in the world, really. And so I started talking about it. I started to learn more about Tantra. Tantra is a way of life. It actually doesn't necessarily need to do with sex. It means woven to weave, weaving the physical and the spiritual. So when we think about sex, we think about purely physical. So with Tantra, it's it's quite an interesting practice and quite interesting philosophies. And while I was traveling, I'd go to these workshops and trainings and I learned from these Tantra coaches and I learned about Yoni and Linga massage and just how the body works, the seven different types of female orgasms, how we warm up the body, how That's right. yeah. the female genitals, erectile tissues take about 40 minutes to just warm up and engorge, which nobody tells you in sex ed class or anywhere. <laughs> no. Yeah, nobody told you that. So wow. when I started to learn more about this and then started to talk to more people about how there's so much shame in the bedroom, there's so much stress, and they don't talk about these things, there's a lot of mental health awareness that needs to go around, yeah. not just in the workplace. Uh, that's really important, of course, but also in the bedroom. So I started to talk more about it, and then here I am. That's so incredible. What, And, and I suppose this kind of work that you do with couples there's definitely an intrinsic value that you get out of that knowing that you have helped shape the future of couples togetherness and probably longevity in the relationship where before that before they even knocked on your door and and picked up the phone to contact you that may not have been the case and this may have saved relationships I have a little bit of a fact because I'm a research geek and I just found a survey that was published in 2009 in Menopause International and they did a survey with 2,500 peri and post-menopausal women and of those 2,500, 84% recognized that sex was a huge part of a relationship and the success of a relationship. But 79% said that the transition had negatively affected their sexual you know, intimacy in their relationship because of the low libido. But of that 79%, 
only 27% sought help from professionals. <sighs> wow. Only 27 out of that 79%. So like a third of people literally sought help. And I would be one of them. Like in 11 years, it has been an up and down road for my husband and I and our you know relationship and we've done some couples counseling and, and and I learned a lot through that but we haven't reached out to somebody like you and to be honest because one we didn't know I never knew you existed I never knew this type of work was available so now that I know you I'm hoping that this will signpost you know when we're having this conversation so signpost other couples towards you and they will get that help but also it's not something that I would have particularly felt comfortable with but that may change now I hope that will change now and I think my husband's keen to do that as well Uh, you know as we grow in our relationship hopefully for the next 10 20 30 years I think it's something that you need to invest in for sure but what would you say to somebody like me who has just found out you existed knows that they need to address an issue within this area of their relationship but unsure of how to start and if it's right and what they should do next yeah that's a really good question because there are people who know that they need the help and like you mentioned not comfortable with talking about it not comfortable with sharing it and it's when you're not comfortable when you feel like you're not comfortable with talking about it and not sharing it that's when you need to dive into the discomfort and that's how you actually end up growing because if you're going to stay with just being like okay well I have this issue I don't feel comfortable talking about it I'm never going to feel comfortable talking about it that's a fixed mindset so you can either have the fixed mindset and be stagnant for the rest of your life and not do anything about it or you can have a growth mindset so having a growth mindset does mean a lot of times is to feel uncomfortable and that's might be feeling uncomfortable about your relationship where you might not want to reveal what the truth about your relationship is. Because so many people don't want to rock the boat. It's much easier to stay in something that might be a little bit uncomfortable and stay stagnant or to do something about it. So what I would tell couples or people who know that they need something to work on on themselves is to connect with yourself first. Because a lot of times they say, well, my partner doesn't feel that comfortable. Like I might be comfortable now, but my partner is not comfortable. So connect with yourself first. So the, one of the first questions I'll ask is, what is your definition of sex and intimacy? What is it? What is your definition of sex and intimacy? And we often get so conditioned around the idea of sex is what we've seen in pornography, TV, movies, and love stories in movies and media, which are actually really biased and untrue. Yeah. Yeah. And then figuring out what intimacy means to you. What does it look like? So I have this very unique perspective of, because I coach couples and individuals, and I also do body work. I do yoni and linga massage. I teach couples how to give and receive pleasure. And this is another one. Receiving pleasure is hard for a lot of people. So when I see couples talk before the body work because they get to choose they can choose whether or not they want to just do the body work or they can choose to do the whole master class of having the conversation and having the body work after i see such a big difference with couples who talk about it first who connect first verbally through communication mindful communication 
And what I see is then they get to release so much stress. Stress is a number one inhibitor of our libido and our sex drive. So with perimenopause and menopause and work and kids, and that's, that's all stress. So these are the brakes to the accelerator to your libido, to your sex drive. So if you don't know how to deal with the stress, if you don't know how to deal with the stressors, we can't really get the body to open. So we talk about it first. So interesting. So I give you a bit of perspective. I didn't have perimenopause. I went straight into full blown menopause. For the first five years of that menopause journey, which was also recovery from cancer, I didn't understand the term intimacy. And it was so intertwined with me that even if my husband was coming to give me a hug, that physical touch was like, oh, he's going to want to have sex right now. And so I built up a shell around me because I was struggling hormonally, but also I had taken on another big job two years after my treatment, instead of just recovering, I went into a a big manager's role and I was struggling with my hormones really badly. And I also was having imposter syndrome at work. I was struggling really bad with anxiety that I never had before because I had really bad memory issues and brain fog. So it was all intertwined. And I came home and then if he's you know, a real big softy. And if he wanted to like touch me and cuddle me and ask me how I was, I was rejecting him. That's what he told me because I wasn't giving him the intimacy that he needed. And so when we went after the five years and things were taking its toll and we ended up in couples counseling and the first counseling session that we had was the discussion around the five languages of love. And his was intimacy. We literally spent an hour on discussing what intimacy was. Because to me, it was physical. I didn't understand that to him, it was just affection. And for him not to feel rejected and for him, you know, to feel wanted within the relationship and that I saw him as my partner and and my husband. And I feel like this is really relevant for a lot of women in perimenopause right now who are going through this fluctuation of hormones and maybe they're not understanding it. And they are extremely stressed, like you say, with other hats they're wearing at work. Maybe the kids project managing what's going on in the home, maybe a loved one, an immediate family member they're looking after, all of these things. And then they're coming to the end of the night, they're exhausted. And all of a sudden, the husband's coming in and trying to give them a cuddle to ask if they're okay. And they're like, get off me. How does a couple get to the point where they make that decision? You know, it was a big do or don't decision for us after five years of marriage. And we went through this communication, like you said, which really, really helped open up the door for, for other talks. But what do you feel couples like for particularly women and then men not understanding what they're going through? How do they work that out? Well, like you said, what their definition of intimacy is to them, because everyone's definition is so different. And having conversations like what turns you on and how you turn yourself on and what turns you off and how you turn yourself off. Because we oftentimes think that it's our partner's responsibility to turn ourselves on or off. So this is why I go back to connecting with yourself. And when I mean turn yourself on, I don't mean using a vibrating toy for both men and women. How can you turn yourself on with things like, are you moving your body? Are you taking time to rest? Are you nourishing yourself? Are you spending time giving yourself self-touch? So 
What I really recommend all couples to do or solo females is to give themselves or have their partner give them a breast massage every single day for at least 10 to 15 minutes. <laughs> really? Just a, yeah. Yes. Just a breast massage. Well, I, 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 so listen, like you're saying that every day. I My question to you now, and I'm sure it will be the same for other women in my position in their 40s. When do you get the time? <laughs> I've got a three-year-old and a two-year-old running in and out of my room. Where do you get the yeah. time for somebody to rub your boobs? Yeah, ten, or, or rub your own <laughs> boobs, right? So, oh, yeah. yeah, so the 10 to 15 minutes, it can be after the shower. It could be in the morning as part of a med- meditation practice. So I recommend everyone to have a meditation or mindfulness practice every single day. If you're with someone, do it together so you can keep each other accountable. And it's these little moments of connection. And when you tell your partner to rub your breasts for 10 to 15 minutes, they're not going to complain. Okay, so that's... Vivian, that's I'm honestly not going to allow my husband to listen to this conversation because he'd be like, Lisa, it's your medicine time. <laughs> it's super healing. It is really, really healing. Oh, and, wow. and so a little backstory is that when women often neglect the breast and their partners neglect their breast. So so when we talk about sex and intimacy, right? Automatically we think okay, we go straight to the genitals. We go straight to the vulva. Or in tantra we call it the yoni. The yoni is the divine symbol of female sexual pleasure and power, but also including the genitals and the reproductive system. And and lingam is the male version. So oftentimes we just go straight there get it over with. So it, it, a lot of times it's transactional, it's goal oriented. And that's not intimacy. That's not what actually helps us feel good. And in tantric practices, as, and I call it tantric practices, you can call it mindfulness practice or mindful intimacy practice. We women, we have, and men, we have electromagnetic energy that runs through our bodies, all throughout the bodies. The heart has the highest electromagnetic energetic field, the waves and energetic field is the highest in the heart. And we often neglect this part. So you, if you see people who are anxious, depressed, sad, just going through a breakup, they often, you can tell by someone's posture when they're feeling not so good and they close their heart, they close their chest. So when you actually physically touch and you massage this area, there's also a lot of muscles here, these intercostal muscles in between each rib cage. They're often quite tight because we're constantly rounding our backs and also with our daily lives, we're on our devices all the time. So we have to counter all of that. And it also helps us de-stress. So you're not only energetically, like literally energetically, you are moving energy around your chest and your heart, which you really should because your posture is terrible throughout the day and you're closing your chest. But also knowing that your partner is touching you because he just wants to love you and adore you without going straight to the yoni or even having to ever go to the yoni during that day, during that session is a profound way to be intimate with someone. I do want to go back to the point you made on every day. <laughs> and it's not its not that I'm... I'm not trying to be negative about it. And I think that everybody needs to make time for themselves Mm -hmm. and time for their loved ones Mm -hmm. because we are moving so fast all the time and and, and things pass us by and it is important to connect and have that time. Mm -hmm. If, 
for many different reasons, multifactorial. Mine and my husband's personally is we have a three-year-old and a two-year-old. Yeah. You can't go to the toilet even on your own. You're mm-hmm. like, please, just give me space. You know, there was a big, famous female newsreader in the UK who came out recently saying that she used to schedule sex with her husband. Yeah. And she got ridiculed for it. But she said, we're still together 30-whatever years on, and it worked. And it's important, particularly with a schedule like a newsreader schedule that she made time for him. And if a couple cannot mm-hmm. for work, children, stress or whatever's going on in the world, not connect for 15 minutes a day like that, you know, can they do that once or twice a week mm-hmm. and just work on that and build that? Could they fit it into their mm-hmm. their week as a meeting and, and make sure that that's scheduled, knowing that that's something to look forward to as well? Absolutely. I think scheduling intimate time is important. Mm. If you're like, I can't spontaneously do this after the shower or before bed or in the morning. And I'm surprised that the news reporter got ridiculed for saying that she schedules sex and intimacy because there's so many positive things about that. There's, yeah, there's anticipation. There's build up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's build up, but also for women who are possibly in, whether it's peri or post-menopause, dry vagina is a big thing. And you cannot have spontaneous sex because it is really painful. And for women who, like me, I've had my cervix removed, so I have a massive stitch. And for other women who may have, you know, surgically been prompted into the menopause, to have that spontaneity is actually really challenging. And it can make them feel like a failure as well. I felt like a failure. You know, my husband and I openly talk about everything. We're very good communicators, actually. And well, I suppose this couples counseling really helped to open up those doors. But for women who really struggle with the spontaneity, would you agree then that that is, you know, a great way to do it? And communicating that with your husband is, and make it fun, you know, we're going to do this here and we're going to, and the, the, and build up that sexiness towards it as well. Do you, you know, would you recommend that? Yes, absolutely. But I would go back to, because you mentioned sex and dry vaginas, which, you know, if you're not, if you're stressed, you also have that inability to be aroused as well. Now, sex doesn't necessarily mean penetration. Sex doesn't actually involve always the vaginal canal. So go back to what your definition of sex and intimacy is. So when I ask this with couples, every time and or in a group setting, every time we have so many different definitions of sex. So I hear about connecting, sex is connecting, sex is arousal, sex is pleasure, it's desire, feeling wanted, it's intimacy, but on a deeper level. And very rarely do I see people's definition of sex as penetration. Because if you also think about oral sex, oral sex does not necessarily include penetration. You can have oral sex on the vulva and that doesn't involve penetration. It's just our expectation and our conditioning of what sex looks like and should be. So this is what I mean by a lot of times we're quite goal-oriented. Because when we have a partner, um, let's say heterosexual, male, female couple, and our male partner is aroused, has an erection, erection then equals insertion, which equals ejaculation, then it equals then done. It's so linear. 
And that is societal and cultural conditioning and us not learning about how our bodies actually work and how Tantra, for example, or mindful intimacy or slow sex, for example, can actually be so arousing without ever having to go inside the vaginal canal. Gosh, it's so true when you say like conditioning, you know, I grew up Catholic schoolgirl. you know, you learned nothing. And I'm obviously a lot of different cultures will either learn or, or not learn different stages of all of that. Like, yeah, this needs to be taught back in school because that will break down the barriers of this, you know, conditioning that we have right now. So if we think about a couple wanting to see you, you know, when it's their first time connecting with you, what does that look like? Yeah. So first I ask them what their intention is. What is their intention for coming to see me? So sometimes it might be that there's scar tissue in the vaginal canal after childbirth. There's pain and soreness inside the vaginal canal. They want to explore pleasure a little bit more because a lot of times couples might need a lot of glasses of wine in order to relax and remove that stress. And they depend on substances in order to relax and be fully present, or they feel distracted, or they don't prioritize sex. They don't know how to because of all these life challenges. So the intention to begin with is really important. Then from there, we talk. We talk about things like, how can I be more patient with you during intimacy. What do you like to do with me outside of sex? What activities make you feel closer to me? What is the best investment we can make with our sex and intimacy? How can we communicate better about sex and intimacy? So I feed these questions and I get couples to talk. And a lot of times someone breaks down, someone will cry because there's often a lot of underlying things that come up. And in my sessions, I create a safe space for people to be fully authentic and be fully honest and themselves because they might not have felt that when they're with their partners because they feel attacked, not good enough, judged, accused that they're not into you, lots rejected. of things, rejected. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. There is a lot. We're transactional, doing it for the sake of doing it. So we uncover a lot of these things in a very gentle safe and relaxing way. I also get couples to do embodiment exercise because so many people are so disconnected between their heads and their bodies. So there's a lot of desensitization that happens. There's a lot of numbing. We tend to dissociate from our genitals during sex a lot of times because we're thinking, when is this over? <laughs> I've got to do the dishes. I've got to put the dinner yeah, right? on. The kids need doing this for school tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we just want them we just want them to get it over with, right? How how often do we rush through sex? Do we rush through it? And so again, this is part of the conditioning. There's no end goal to sex and intimacy. We often think there is, but there is no end goal and it should not be something that is rushed. If you are looking to have an orgasm, then you might as well just do it by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you don't need a partner. You really don't need a partner. So I always go back to that. I always try to, to help people relearn and unlearn these patterns that we've been conditioned to think and feel. 
And if they've signed me up for, or if they've signed up for a bodywork session, a yoni or a lingam massage, after we've done these embodiment exercises, which include the breath, awareness, sound, movement, and even a little bit of self-touch beforehand, just a tiny bit of sensual, doesn't have to be sexual, self-touch. And I give this homework every single day for them just to do five minutes. If you have time to breathe, you have five minutes to do these embodiment exercises to connect more to your own body. It's a relationship with yourself first. Yeah. Then after they've calmed down and they're like, okay, I'm not nervous anymore. I can relax. My jaws relax. My neck's relax. Then we start to do couples breathing exercises. So sometimes you'll see in pictures or images, couples sitting cross-legged, wrapped around each other. That's called the yabyum position in Tantra. And what people are doing there is they're basically regulating each other's nervous system. So when you are stressed, you don't have to say anything. You walk into a room, your husband can feel it. Yeah. And, and vice versa. So when you are with your partner, you have to make sure if you want each other to de-stress and calm down is to co-regulate each other's nervous system by calming yourself down and you're breathing alternatively. So you can breathe in and your partner breathes out. It's like this circular energy. Everything has energy. Everything has energy. So we can't forget that. And also 90% of us are not breathing properly. 90% of us are breathing to the chest. We're like, absolutely. Yeah. And Absolutely. so when you also see in pornography or in movies, why people are breathing so quickly, what you're doing here is you're telling your physiology that you are under threat, that you're being chased by a lion or running away from a hippo and you're on survival mode. And when you're on survival mode, your arousal is not top priority. Your libido is not top priority. So when you have then no blood going into your genitals because you're just breathing like this. You can't feel aroused. Your erectile tissues, and women have a lot of erectile tissues just as much as men. It takes time and patience and breathing to feel aroused. Wow. Whew. That sounds amazing. And it sounds like when we connected and, and had a discussion about this podcast, you mentioned a story about a couple recently who were investing in their growth and they had been married for 30 years. And everything that you've just said is something that feels warm to me. That's something that feels like I would really resonate with and, and want to grow with my husband for the next, you know, 30, 40 years. Some women or couples may still have that level of vulnerability and still possibly on the fence with connecting with you and moving to this stage, would you have one or two takeaways that they could do at home to start the process before they felt confident to come and see you? Yeah, absolutely. So I mentioned breathing, right? Five minutes even two minutes. If you have time to breathe regularly, you have time to take two minutes to breathe together as a mindfulness meditation practice every single day. The another thing I get couples to do is look into each other's eyes in silence without talking, without making any faces, without like giggling. It's really vulnerable to be seen. If you want to be seen fully, in your whole self, your whole authentic self. You don't have to be naked or anything. I do this with my partner when we're waiting for food to arrive at the restaurant. 
So if you're talking about saving time, instead of grabbing your phone while you're waiting for something, look into your partner's eyes and don't say anything for a few minutes. That's excellent. And actually, when you think about the amount of time that people are on social media, exactly, rather than dedicating to the important matters in their life, yeah, yeah. that you can always make time for sure to yeah. do things like that. You can wow. always make time. And you don't know how many couples are so uncomfortable with looking at each other in silence because they're so used to stimulation. They're so used to when they have talks, it's more of these logistics and routine talks, when to pick up the kids, when to make dinner, where to go, when to buy the grocery stores. So it's like constant, like, go, 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 go. We're very often not in the being energy. We're often in the doing energy. We're often going somewhere instead of just flowing. So instead of being in go mode, help each other be in flow mode. Instead of go mode, help each other be in flow mode. That is awesome. And that's a great place to stop. And I have, honestly, I could chat about this all day with you, but I know you're a very busy woman. And we will put all your details in the show notes, but where can people find you? Yes. So people can find me on Instagram, which is Mindful Intimacy, and on my website, mindfulintimacy.co. Well, I definitely know that I will be starting those two things, breathing with my husband in the morning and looking deep into his eyes. And when I've built up enough strength and courage, hopefully sooner rather than later, we may invest in ourselves and come and see you so that we can better understand the word intimacy. Actually, Um, I feel from a personal perspective, that would be really amazing. But thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was such a fun chat and thank you for telling me about your story oh you're welcome well i hope everybody can connect with at least one piece of information and i think they should all come and see you (laughs) thank you your experience is really important to us here at the menopause space you can check out our free resources as well as our professional advisory services at themenopausespace.com We would also love to hear from you. Send us a voice note to the WhatsApp number in the show notes with comments or any questions you would like us to answer about menopause. Or you can email us at podcasts at themenopausespace.com. Coming up next time, we look at the benefits of exercise in managing menopause symptoms with trainers Jill and Georgia from Joint Dynamics Evolve. What is the word you call your your scale? What do you call the scales? The mood hoover. It's <laughs> <laughs> such a good term. You know, I've, ne- I've never heard that one. I like it. That's it for this edition of the Menopause Space. Join us next week wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Lisa Tarquini in Hong Kong. Thanks for listening. This podcast was brought to you by Reset 40 an evidence-based nutrition and wellness program for menopause and perimenopause. The Menopause Space is a bold type production produced by Paula Sales and edited by Richard Eldred.